We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting here today. We're so glad that you're here with us. We have a guest worship leader today that we welcome to, Rich Machow. You say it like it hurts a lot, Machow. Isn't that a great way to remember it? That's what he tells people, big hurt, big hurt. Yeah, Rich is an intern, it travels internationally and trains and works with worship leaders. So we're very glad to have you with us again today. Always a, tr a treat. Within your bulletin, there are announcements. The announcement sheet is there. There is an adult ed class at the 10 o'clock hour, which will be led by Reverend Mike Regal. Mike is right over there in the white shirt. Wave your hand, Mike. He'll be talking about Les Miserables and how we see God's mercy acted out within that story. As, as a companion piece to our sermons on the book of Romans and God's mercy. There is also during the 10 o'clock hour up in the Hills Hall, a speaker from International Justice Mission, Jocelyn White. This afternoon at 2 o'clock will be a celebration of the life of Tom Judy, longtime member here, very beloved dentist in town, 2 o'clock this afternoon. Also, this weekend will, is family fun night. No matter what age you and your family are, it's a great evening to be together and do all sorts of fun things together. And you can see the details there. Uh, this is the month that we are participating in a food drive to help restock the Laguna Food Pantry. So as you leave at each door today, you will see a plate that has some of these little green strips of paper in it. If you take one, it tells you what to bring back to contribute to the food pantry. This one says pasta sauce. So see what you get and see if you can bring it back and help out here so that without this, throughout this month we'll be uh, contributing to that food pantry. Also, there is a Red Cross blood drive that is coming up in just a few days too. And next weekend, next Sunday on Mother's Day, we hope that you participate between the services in the strawberries and cream and coffee in the Rose Garden in honor of all of our mothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're coming. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good. For the strawberries and cream. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Living God, we center our hearts in you this morning. You invite us to come into your presence by the power of your love. You have poured out your love through the power of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And now we pray that we will respond in praise and thanksgiving with open hearts to receive your word to be transformed so that we might not only talk the talk but walk the walk of the way of your love this we pray in your name amen please join me for our call to worship wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. 
In response to God's word, we gather to listen and to obey the word of God's love in Jesus Christ. Let the church rise and worship God together with songs of grateful response to God's word. Amen. Would you please stand? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me.
stronger each day. Stronger, stronger each day, Lord. Show me your One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with Jesus and with one another and seeing that he answered them well, they asked Jesus, Which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered him wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions.
Our Lord Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. As God has instructed us in these commandments, and because we've not lived in full obedience, let us confess our sins to God, trusting Christ as our Savior and Lord. Let us pray in unison together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. And so we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ, our Savior. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Know that we are forgiven and be at peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder that cloud throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul
of the church how great thou art the majesty of God the creator redeemer whose spirit is present with us this morning alive within our hearts read a text that I have read uh, thousands of times I'm still trying to get it First Corinthians 13, how many times have you heard it at wedding services? Remember the movie, The Wedding Crasher? You know, taking bets out in the congregation whether or not 1 Corinthians 13 would be read. Well, we're going to read it this morning. It needs to be, it needs to be recaptured within its original context. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's word to a church 
that was deeply conflicted, very gifted, struggling with this subject of what it means for us to love God with the totality of our being and our neighbors as ourselves. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious are boastful, are arrogant, are rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully, under no, fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. The words of the Apostle Paul that undergirded his life. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. Let love be genuine. Let us pray. Oh, dear God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. We ask in your name. Amen. And amen to that. How great thou art, one of the great hymns in the history of the church. 
text I want to read this morning is 1 Corinthians 13. I've read it thousands of times in weddings and funerals and church services, and uh, it never gets old because it encapsulates the gospel of John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son and calls us to love in response to his love and to love one another as we have been loved. I think it's in one of the Wedding Crasher movies. Out in the congregation, they were taking bets as to whether or not 1 Corinthians 13 would be read or not. We need to reclaim this powerful text within its original context and not just think of it in terms of it being a marriage reading. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three. And the greatest of these is love. Paul in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, By the mercies of God, let love be genuine. Let us pray.
Open our hearts to your word. Open our minds to understand. Bring illumination by your Holy Spirit, living Lord. Bless your word for the one who speaks and for all of us as we listen. In your name we pray. Amen. The two greatest commandments, what are they? They were a summation of all the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. The two great commandments were a summation of of biblical religion, of what God requires of us. Love God with the totality of your being and your neighbor as yourself. Paul was seeking to interpret these commandments in his letter to the Corinthians. And he spoke of his experience of being a child and having a childlike, childlike faith of not fully understanding, being partial in his maturity and struggling in his own life story to understand the revelation that God had given through Israel to his people to be a light shining in the world. I've come to think of my own spiritual journey much like that. When I was a child, I became aware, even though I was not all that active in church, that God was at work in my life, dealing with me, calling me. And from time to time in my teenage years, I would get excited like any adolescent might who was struggling to know who he was and what his life was about and seeking to, to shape and form his own identity, I was struggling to understand and, and I got uh, excited and I would witness to the gospel to my friends. I'd tell them about God and about the faith that was so important to me. And finally, they, well, they listened graciously, but finally a couple of my friends said to me, Jerry... You witness to something that you believe to be true, but the the real truth is that about three-fourths of the time that we're with you, we would know that you're a Christian or a, a pagan. You live more like the devil than you do Christ. Sometimes it's yes with you, and sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's just silence. Who are you? What do you believe? What drives your life? Where are you going? In my early college years, I made a public profession of faith in a Billy Graham meeting. And it was a life transformative experience and In that commitment, I wanted more than anything, not only to talk the talk, but to walk the walk of what it meant to be one who confessed that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. I felt called away from the university in Texas. I came to California, to Santa Barbara, to Westmont College, thought I'd died and gone to heaven. That first fall of my junior year, I was selected to be the preacher on the college gospel team, and we traveled up and down California and 
appeared in many churches and we sang. I think I had a, a mental image of myself as sort of a Southern Baptist evangelist with a pink blazer <laughs> and white buck shoes with a Bible in my hand like Billy Graham singing like Pat Boone. Those were heady days. And I was alive and we were excited and we went to the camps and conferences like Mount Hermon where we saw Billy Graham come riding in in his convertible with all of his team. And this was one of the most handsome men I've ever seen in my life, completely uh, suntanned with long blonde golden hair with all the team with a beautiful smile on his face. And I thought to myself, that's who I want to be like. And so the witnessing continued. And when I was in theological seminary, I was a preacher again on the, the seminary gospel team. And it was a wonderful experience. And I was alive. I was being called to be an evangelist. To proclaim the word. To announce the gospel. In the first preaching class we had in theological seminary, they tried to teach us to preach. And I had a West Texas twang, and another guy in my class was from Brooklyn, and he had the Brooklyn accent. And they had a big job on their hands trying to shape and form just the way we spoke. And the professor, Dr. Clarence Roddy, was a great old war horse of the Baptist church who'd been in ministry for many years, had come to teach preaching at the seminary and he selected two of us who were preachers on the gospel teams to give the first sermons in the class. And I decided to myself that I'd give a sermon on love. You can't fail when you talk about love. So I preached away. And afterwards, Dr. Roddy asked the class what was the subject of Mr. Tankersley's sermon. And they were unanimous. It was love. I thought, I succeeded. I communicated. And then he asked the class, what was the subject communicated? And the class was unanimous. Anger. That really made me angry. <laughs> I began to realize then that I had a lot of work to do. And God was at work through his mercies in my life to help me to understand that more than anything, he wanted the love of my life to be congruent, to be without pretense, to be without hypocrisy, or what was going on in my brain to be the same thing that was coming out of my heart. I began to realize as a growing Christian that this was the journey and it took a lot of suffering 
and brokenness and joy and life experience to begin to put my head and my heart together so that I could be genuine. We all struggle to be genuine. We want to be consistent. We want people to respond to us and, think, and know that what they see is what they're getting, that this is who we are, that we're not seeking to manipulate or coerce or have our own way, that we value the other one. We can see them. We oftentimes hear in a marriage one of the other partner to say, tell me not just what you think, but what it is you feel. What's going on in your heart? What are your joys and sorrows? What are your successes and failures? What are the sins with which you struggle? That kind of vulnerability is at the heart and core of what it means to be a person in Christ, a member of the new creation, one who is growing up into completeness, into the fullness of life that God wants for every one of us to be like Christ. And it is a profound gift. We have great difficulty both in the culture and outside and inside the church. I was reminded of this this, this past uh, Saturday evening a week ago in watching the White House press correspondents um, roasting by the President of the United States. It was supposed to be an evening of comedy. And it was. There were a lot of wonderful laughs, but a group of people who all the time are beating up on each, each other coming together to publicly roast each other, to say what they, what they really didn't think or maybe what they really didn't feel. And as the president, whatever you think of his politics or whatever, as he was speaking, he was carefully gauging his words and selecting them. And he was calm in his mood. And, and certain, suddenly another black man appeared on the screen behind him. And I thought to myself, where's the Secret Service? What's getting ready to happen here? And all of a sudden... The guy behind him was screaming from time to time, and he was interpreting what the president was saying. He was the anger translator. And the president was being really good, and he was being calm, and he was being kind, and his words were measured, but inside of himself, he was steaming over a lot of different things. And there were a lot of laughs. I can't tell you some of those stories, but they were wonderful. And everybody sort of got skewered in the process, whatever party you might be in. A few days later, I saw on television Diane Sawyer's interview with Bruce Jenner. A two-hour interview that was watched by something like 17 million people. You remember Bruce? He won the gold medal at the Olympic Games in 1976. I looked at some of those films and his image was that of total masculinity and power as he was victorious over the Russian athlete. The nation celebrated. 
And now many years later, he said on television being interviewed, he said, from my childhood, I've been an athlete and a strong man, but on the inside, I've had a mind like a woman. And I'm in transition. I feel like I'm a woman. I'm confused. The tears were running down his face. Whatever motivated him as a showboat or trying to make money or whatever, it was an authentic expression of a struggle to get the inner and the outer together. And a few days later, I was one of the speakers at a, one of our churches in the presbytery Four of us as pastors speaking about either why leave or why stay in the peace of USA. And we had gotten pretty far into the evening. And near the end, around the tables, a woman stood up beside her husband, member of the church, and said her 32-year-old son was transgender and had found it so unsafe to live in Orange County and in the churches that he had to move elsewhere. And it was like the whole room was gripped in silence. What to say? How to express love? How to show compassion? How to embrace someone struggling in this way? This is the kind of world that we live in. And it may not be in terms of our own personal identities, but it may have to do with all the other issues in life with which we deal. And any time we try to be vulnerable and open and honest in a church, we run the risk of blowing the roof off. So the church struggles with its own congruence, with what it means for love to be genuine. Eugene Peterson translated the Romans 12, 9 text in this way. He said, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Don't live with pretense or hypocrisy. But be congruent and do not be afraid to embrace one another in your differences and in the unresolved issues of your life. You're here to help one another. Paul knew exactly what he had done when he founded those churches in the Greco-Roman world. The church that he wrote, 1 Corinthians 13, 2, was made up of all kinds of people, Jews and Gentiles, who couldn't eat the same food, who couldn't sit at the same table, and yet they'd come to know the love of God revealed in Jesus. They'd come to faith, and their lives were in a process of transformation. But there was conflict and division. There were males and there were females, and in that culture, females had little standing. They were considered to be inferior to men, and yet they were responding to the gospel and were being incorporated into the family of Christ as equal citizens of the kingdom of God and gifted spiritually and were growing the fruit of the Spirit in their own lives. That's not so much of an issue for us now, but many believe it still is. 
There were those who had been economic slaves and others who were freed people. There were some who were Roman citizens and others who were not Roman citizens. There was every kind of Greco-Roman philosophy represented. And in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul described the kinds of people who were in that congregation. People who had been called out of different lives and who were now working to live together within the body of Christ. Idolaters, fornicators, homosexual prostitutes, the greedy. Every conceivable sin. And I thought to myself, what pastor would want to pastor that congregation? Paul, I must have looked at at that congregation and wondered, what have I done? Because the church in Corinth was really a reflection of what was going on in the world. And it was to this church that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13. A church that was so gifted and so complex. He wrote that passage. It says, you can be the greatest preacher in the world, and if love's not in your heart, it's irrelevant. You can have all the money in the world and give it away, but if the love of God is not in your heart, it comes to nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the right. Remember your life is like that of a child. A child only sees and hears and knows partially. But the day will come, hopefully, over a a long lifetime in which the child grows up into spiritual maturity and is able to see and to hear and to know and realizes that heart and mind have been integrated and life is congruent. Let love be genuine. Jesus knew about this. He often found himself eating at dinner parties with wealthy Pharisees who represented the religious establishment, who were more concerned about looking right on the outside, looking good, than they were about the condition of their hearts. And one evening he was in this living room and they were all seated on the floor and as they were eating together, a woman from the street came in and every man in the room at the table knew exactly who this woman was. No spoken word was necessary They simply thought to themselves, if this man were a prophet, he would not let this woman touch him in this way. Jesus knew immediately, talk about nonverbal communication. He knew immediately what they were thinking. And he said, look, from the moment I came into your house, you showed me no hospitality, but this woman has washed my feet and dried them with her hair and she has anointed my feet with precious ointment she loves much because she has been forgiven much and the great need of your life jesus said to those pharisees was for your hearts to be touched once again by the mercies of god and this is what the apostles talking about in romans 
I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And then this little exhortation, let love be genuine. Love without hypocrisy, without pretense. Embrace, include encourage, grow up. And as we grow up to a spiritual maturity, we discover that love is the most powerful force in the whole cosmos. Thanks be to God. Let love be genuine. Let us pray. Lord, we confess before you that we are those who have oftentimes faked it, not knowing how to get our minds together with our hearts, conflicted in our attitudes and inconsistent in our behavior. We've taken hope in the slogan, fake it till you make it. So we thank you for that, but we know that's not the end of the story because your spirit is at work within us to transform us, to give us the mind of Christ, to make us holy, to transform our lives totally from our identities to our behaviors. This morning we pray about our brothers and sisters, not only in this church, but the church around the world. Today we remember the family of Tom Judy and thank you for him. And we will remember him this afternoon in the many different ways that he touched our lives. We remember those who walk through dark valleys and we pray for comfort for them, for the assurance of faith. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted in various places for the name of Christ, for those who do not have enough food, for those who live under oppression, for those who feel misunderstood and relegated to the sidelines. We bring all the needs of our lives and the needs of this world into your presence. And we ask that you might build up your church Empower us to speak the truth in love, to proclaim the gospel, and to back it up with real lives. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We present our morning offering. Multiply your love through me to the lost and the least. Let me be your healing hands, Lord, your inspiration.
instrument of peace And may my single purpose be To imitate your life Through my simple words and deeds, Lord Let love be multiplied Multiply your love through us To the lost and the least Let us be your healing hands Your instruments of peace May our single purpose to imitate your love Through our simple words and deeds Let love be multiplied Let us see your kingdom come To the poor and the broken
Let us pray. Eternal Father, you never fail to give us each day all that we ever need and even more. Give us such joy in living and such peace in serving Christ that we may gratefully make use of all of your blessings and joyfully seek our risen Lord. Accept now the gifts we offer to further the teachings of our great God and Savior so that all people may find in him the abundant life he so richly promised. We now lift up the prayer your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Multiply your church through us to the ends of the earth where there's only barrenness. Let us see new birth. Use us as your name Working side by side, let us see your harvest come. Let love be multiplied. Let us see your kingdom come. Let us see. God is love. And those who abide in God abide in, in love. And God's love is transforming. 
The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Through the power of His Spirit, He transforms us to be like Him, to have the mind of Christ, to be compassionate for one another, even in our differences, even in the challenges that the world presents to us, to be a lighthouse of the gospel, of the powerful grace and love of God. Go forth in his love. Amen. Amen.